You're listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. Welcome back, friends, to Resurrection Life, and welcome back to the final leg of my podcast journey through uh, issues of Christian parenting. That's what I'm resuming now after taking a summer detour to look at other things. Uh, And as I return to the subject of Christian parenting, perhaps a reminder of where I left off would be in order. Uh, Folks, we had moved from the issues that are particularly pressing in the first decade of our children's lives and of our parenting of them into those issues facing parents uh, with children in the second decade. And as I did that, uh, looking back, I think I actually tackled the hardest and the heaviest issues first. I talked about parental authority in the second decade. I talked about conflict between parents and teenagers in particular. Uh, And I talked about parenting wayward children. And I'm wondering now if I just wanted to get some of the hardest stuff out of the way first. Uh, In any case, uh, brothers and sisters, I would not want you to get the impression Uh, that that's all that the second decade of parenting is about, for those of you that still have that uh, in the future. Uh, The discipleship uh, that parents provide their kids in their maturing years uh, is, in my judgment, some of the most rewarding. I really think this is where the instruction of the Lord that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6 uh, really comes into its own And that's certainly where the relationship between us and our children can reach new levels uh, of love and of ministry. Uh, My own testimony is I loved the first decade. I miss it, actually. Uh, But I have loved the second decade of parenting even more. Uh, For all of its challenges, uh, it has, at least for me, uh, involved some of the most richly rewarding of all my parental work. And Uh, That even applies, and in some ways especially applies, uh, to the topic I'm taking up here today. So today, folks, I have some thoughts for you about how to introduce your sons and daughters uh, to what we sometimes call the birds and the bees. Um, More broadly and more uh, deeply, I want to talk to you about how to lead your children uh, in an increasingly wise and biblical view of sexuality. Uh, in general. Now, I'm calling this podcast How to Have the Talk, (laughs) and I am referencing in that title the fact uh, that there often is a defining moment of realization uh, for our kids about how human sexuality works, and I'm wanting my fellow parents to be very intentional uh, in leading and guiding their children to that awareness Uh, But, of course, the talk should be one part, only one part, of many larger talks in a much larger culture of conversation, as I've called it, on this subject of sexuality. Uh, This is going to be an increasingly interesting subject to our sons and daughters, and it should be an increasingly common part of our conversations with them in our biblical homes. And parents... I want to submit to you that we should consider this one of the highest and holiest of all our parental privileges. 
of this guiding of our children into a biblical understanding uh, and biblical convictions about their own sexuality. Now, I say that with an awareness uh, that is painful uh, pastorally, uh, that this is an area of delinquency, frankly, for many otherwise good Christian parents in uh, countless Christian homes, I dare say. There's no ongoing discipleship in this particular area. In some cases, not, there's not even the talk uh, in the Christian home. Uh, some years ago, I was um, able to attend a seminar in town at a sister church, and it was called Gospel Sexuality for Students. I think what we heard was uh, what might have been an, another time been called Biblical Sexuality for uh, Students, but everything is now gospel, this and that and so on. So anyway, it was actually a very good conference. Uh, Parachurch Ministry sponsored it. Uh, devoting themselves to equipping churches and families uh, with a particular focus on those who are affected, uh, young people in this case, who are affected by sexual sins. Uh, Again, very helpful. I've incorporated some of the things I learned in that conference in this podcast. But towards the beginning of this, really it was a seminar, a weekend seminar, one of the speakers asked the 50 or so parents and youth leaders and pastors this question. How many of you were discipled by your parents in the area of sexuality? I heard the question. I was taking notes. I raised my hand to the question without really uh, looking up for my notes until I heard uh, the speaker say, well, okay, so one of us has. (laughs) And then I realized, of course, uh, that I was the only one uh, in that group uh, to raise his hand. I think actually the seminar leader was expecting no one to raise their hand. And I think he knew something uh, that I've since come to realize more fully. Most Christian parents, pastors, youth leaders had none of this, this is what I want to talk about in this podcast, in their own upbringing. And friends, when I raised my hand, I wasn't trying to state that my parents did everything ideal in this area. I was just saying they talked to me about it. They did do that. It was part of their parenting and discipleship of me. But folks, consider this. The absence of that, apparently in so many Christian homes, uh, is an especially deadly combination in our society of two things, a sex-saturated society increasingly going in more and more perverse directions, and Christian parents who aren't talking to their kids about sexuality. That seems like a very devastating um, combination uh, in our homes. Uh, So, friends, your kids have countless people wanting to talk to them about sex. If they're not real, actual friends— uh, or acquaintances, what have you, want to talk. It's in the media. I don't need to remind you of that. At every turn, people wanting to talk to them about sex. And my uh, thesis in this podcast is, Mom, Dad, you need to be the first and the most compelling voice talking to them about this important subject. Uh, this is a vital part of our discipleship of our kids, particularly in the second decade. I say all that fully aware 
uh, that this is also something that many parents find difficult, uh, awkward, uh, stressful uh, to talk about. Uh, It's ironic, isn't it? We might be more awkward talking to our kids about sex than anyone else in their life. But, uh, friends, this really isn't the most difficult part of our parenting. Um, And I want to encourage you to push past the discomfort uh, of perhaps uh, the initial conversations about the subject for the good of your children. Consider the alternative. It's all too common, and yet it is a crying shame Uh, It's leaving kids to figure things out for themselves, or far, far worse, uh, to let their other friends and perhaps in some cases unwholesome influences figure it all out for them and pass on their uh, worldly kind of wisdom. So uh, I've got a lot to say on this subject. This might be a two-workout podcast or a double-commute podcast. I make no apologies for it. I have five things to talk about Rather, I should say it this way, five things for you to talk about with your sons and daughters in this area of sexuality. Five subjects, five broad things uh, you should be willing to talk about with your kids uh, with some suggestions along the way for how to go about doing it. So let's get started. Number one, friends, talk with your kids, first of all, about the sheer goodness of sex as God's own invention. So I want to start here because, brothers and sisters, the more our culture pursues sexuality in shameful ways, and the more we as parents are therefore obligated to warn our children against so many different shameful expressions of human sexuality, I submit to you the more we need to have an emphasis on sexuality as God ordained it as very, very good. Really, this is the note I plead with you to lead off with in your discussions of sex with your children. I want you to see it as your goal to impart to your children a sense of wonder and, yes, delight at God's great invention. So let's talk about having the talk Uh, the one that first opens your son or daughter's eyes to this whole world of awareness uh, and how you can convey in it all the wisdom and the goodness of God in giving this gift. Uh, We'll talk about having the talk, and then we'll work backwards from it and forwards from it. We'll try to put the talk into a larger context of uh, many conversations. Now, just one note of explanation or uh, clarification In the Trice family, uh, the talk happened around the start of the second decade. That's what we, my wife and I, uh, landed on in terms of our own wisdom. It is a judgment call. Um, It would probably have been earlier if my kids were growing up in a different culture, uh, if for whatever reason they were surrounded by peers who were themselves raising their awareness of this subject Uh, in potentially unwholesome ways. We probably would have had the talk sooner um, if we were growing up on a farm and (laughs) if our kids were exposed to everything uh, that one is exposed to uh, in a uh, farm with animals and livestock and so on. It might have come a little bit earlier as well. All kinds of other possible ways in which awareness and therefore questions might have come come 
up uh, earlier, but it, in our case, it was about 10 years of age. Um, that was when uh, natural inquisitiveness began. Uh, and in a culture of conversation, that's when those questions can first arise. And that's when we generally felt like there was a maturity uh, that uh, warranted having uh, some of this uh, deeper conversation. Uh, my wife and I divided the, the responsibilities between our sons and our daughters. That was intuitive to us. By no means is that essential, but Ashley uh, took the lead with our firstborn, our only daughter, and uh, I took the lead on this uh, with uh, my four boys. Uh, though I will say that there was plenty of uh, cross-pollinating, can I say, in terms of our conversations, um, mom and dad and sons and daughters. So can I just share with you, for those of you who may have no idea, how would I begin um, to have the talk? Can I just share with you, for uh, what it is worth, my own approach uh, over those um, four talks plus uh, that I was privileged to have. Uh, this is what I sought to do in having the talk. I, started to, uh, I, I, I sought to start with where uh, my son was and then, if I may put it this way, unfold in stages uh, the fullness of what sex is. There was a gap between where they were, where their questions were, what they wanted to know, and where I knew I needed to take them. But I sought to start with where they were and eventually take them in their understanding and awareness to where I knew that they needed to be. All right, so let's imagine a son has asked Dad the question, Dad, uh, what is sex? Um, maybe you'll have the question put to you uh, that directly. Uh, then again, you may have a a son or daughter uh, who doesn't actually ever come to that place, and you actually need to be the one to pose the question, son. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about this word that you've probably heard before, this word, sex. I want to talk to you a little bit about what adults mean when they use that word. In either case, here's the answer as I've sought to unpack it to the question, Dad, uh, what is sex? I begin by saying something like, son, it begins, this thing called sex, uh, with a kind of special interest uh, that you as a boy uh, will have, if you don't already have, uh, in girls. Um, it's a special interest. You didn't have this interest when you were very young. You might have thought girls were not much fun at all and you didn't want to be around them. But um, at some point that changes and you might even begin to notice a particular girl uh, that you know, someone who you think is really nice uh, or really pretty. Well, that's just the beginnings of what we're talking about when we talk about sex. Sex um, becomes, son, a, a desire. Uh, it could be a desire just to be around uh, one particular girl. You might begin to think of that desire as a desire to be close. Um, it eventually could come to be a desire to, to touch. And uh, this is where you could say to your son, you know, when you see a man and a woman who are hugging each other or kissing each other, you might see that 
even in a movie, uh, for example, or many other appropriate kind of places, that's something that the word sex is talking about, a desire for a man and a woman to be close and even to touch each other. Um, It will sooner or later in you, son, uh, manifest itself in an interest. You might call it a curiosity uh, with girls' bodies. Um, Sometimes I've said to my sons in this part of the talk, have you ever noticed how when there's someone who's being immodest, um, a woman who's not wearing enough clothes, have you ever noticed that you're kind of curious about that and there's something in you that makes you want to look at her? Well, that is part of what adults mean when they talk about sex. It's even that curiosity about what a woman looks like. Now, son, my imaginary conversation as I unfolded here with you, podcast listeners. Now, son, uh, all of this interest, and we sometimes call it attraction, or curiosity, or desire to look or to touch, this is all something that God has made. He's made us not as little boys, but as big boys, and certainly as men. He's made us this way. So he's made us to have this be true of us. That's what it means to be sexual as a person. But God has also made a rule for this. He's made a very important rule for all of his people in this area of sex, and that is that sex is for marriage. Let me tell you what I mean by that, son. Uh, So that interest in girls in general, but especially that interest in one particular girl and a desire to be close to her, that's all something God has made to lead men and women into marriage. And then marriage, being in a relationship we call marriage, is the place where God intends for us to enjoy this thing I'm explaining to you, this thing called sex, to uh, see and to touch and to be close to each other as men and women, uh, that's what God has designed for us to enjoy, but only in marriage. Marriage is the place uh, where God intends for us only to have what we desire in this whole area of sex. So, son, when you see your mom and dad hugging each other or kissing each other or snuggling on the couch, you know we'd like to do that. Uh, That's what God intends for us to enjoy that uh, as a husband uh, and a wife. Now, I hope you can see so far as I try to share with you the way I have Uh, talked through this subject, I'm uh, just introducing the subject at this point uh, in broad terms. And I'm I'm sort of reading my son, seeing how he's processing this much that I have said, this uh, interest. I'm really introducing them to um, this category of, of sexual attraction, sexual interest and desire, and I'm trying to do it in ways that he uh, can understand and maybe even 
has already begun to um, experience, at least in the most preliminary way. Uh, it might be a good thing to stop right here and, and uh, not go any further until your son uh, or daughter uh, is processing this. But uh, here's stage two, if you will, of, a, uh, of the talk, uh, which might take place in the same sitting or might be one you come back to. Um, I eventually obviously need to share uh, things with my son that they didn't know to ask about. They, they didn't expect me to talk about. Uh, but eventually, I know I need to take them there. And so, uh, this is where I might turn the corner uh, in a conversation and say, son, um, I've been telling you about what sex is in, in its broadest sense, in its beginnings. Um, but let me tell you more specifically, ultimately, what sex is. Sex is the way, son, that God has made for a baby. Uh, to come from a man and a woman's love for each other. That's how I have put it uh, in the past. Uh, And here, of course, I'm about to describe um, something that they may also have had questions about, and this actually may be the first question uh, that a parent gets, not what is sex, but where do babies come from? How do babies come from mommy's tummies? those kinds of questions. Um, And here's where I'm going to begin by, again, in my illustration, talking to my son. I'm going to describe the amazing way that God has made a woman's body uh, to be able to grow and to nourish a baby. Uh, I'm going to talk to him about those parts of a woman's body that, by the way, men tend to find very interesting, that are also necessary for having a baby. And I'm going to be specific um, with uh, female anatomy. Um, I'm going to describe then how it is that a baby comes to be in a woman's body. I'm going to say something like, son, uh, there's a part of a man's body that needs to come together with a part from a woman's body, something very, very, very small. But it comes from a man's body and something else that comes from a woman's body. And God has designed that those two things that come from each of their bodies, when they come together, make a baby. And God has also designed both a man's body and a woman's body to fit together in order to be able to make this happen. Early on, I talk about um, a, excuse me, a special kind of hug that enables a baby to begin to grow in mommy's tummy. And uh, ultimately, I'm going to be able to talk about uh, sex as this special kind of hug that God has made for a man and a woman that makes it possible for a baby to grow in a mommy's tummy. And I'm going to say to that young man, very (laughs) young man, uh, that this special kind of hug, son, is not even just for making babies. It's also a way that husbands and wives show each other 
that they love each other. It's like a kiss, only even more of that. It's something holy. Again, it's something, son, that God only intends for husbands and wives to enjoy together. And it's something that boys and girls rightly need to know about, but it's also something that they need to be ready to be patient and to wait for until God provides them a husband or a wife. Now, I'll just say at this point, friends, that uh, in bringing home this whole discussion at this point of the birds and the bees, uh, I do, of course, get more specific uh, with my son about how this special hug works, certainly more specific than I'll be in this podcast. And uh, that's the moment of realization uh, for your child of what sex ultimately is. This is the grand initiation. And it might be worth mentioning that uh, your children's responses at this point may vary widely. Uh, Don't be surprised uh, or chagrined uh, if what you are presenting as something wonderful sounds a little dreadful to your young man or young woman at first. I, I remember my own initial thoughts as my dad had this defining talk with me, and I can still remember a kind of mingled fascination and, frankly, horror. And uh, that little conviction that immediately came to my heart, yeah, well, I'm never doing that. (laughs) Uh, Safe to say, if that's your child's first response, um, the idea of sex will grow on them. Safe to say. Just give them uh, some time. Uh, And uh, just to say, if you waited until your son or daughter had only enthusiasm for the subject, well, uh, you probably waited too long. So uh, that to note about that particular defining moment uh, in the talk. By the way, if you're wondering, uh, how do I walk through this? Folks, I make notes for myself. I do this for a living. I make notes for myself, and then I talk to people. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm not reading my notes in the conversation. Uh, even if I forget something, it's not, a, it's not a big deal. But I will sit down and think through, what do I want to say, and how do I want to uh, work through this? And uh, I would encourage dads, moms, do the same thing. Make a few notes for yourself. Think about what you want to say, and then throw your note away. Not throw it away, but put it... Uh, on your dresser and go out on your dad date with son or your uh, mom date with your daughter or whatever. And and then to the best of your ability, uh, in ways in keeping with what you've planned and prayed about, walk your son, walk your daughter uh, through this really very wonderful discussion. I hope you can see that uh, even though all the kinds of details could vary, um, This is far from the only way of doing this. I hope you can see I'm capturing in these first uh, words about what sex ultimately is several things. Um, Folks, I'm really trying uh, to express um, enthusiasm, indeed, uh, for the subject, not reluctance like uh, I am barely able to stand talking about this very awkward subject. I'm actually wanting my son or daughter to know that dad is sharing something with me that is wonderful. It's amazing. 
uh, it's something he doesn't mind talking to me about. He might even uh, be taking some satisfaction talking about it with me. Um, I'm also trying to make clear in the way that I'm framing all this that God invented sex. He designed it. He's the mastermind behind it. I'm also trying to talk about sex as something that's very broad, potentially, but also has a very narrow focus as well. And that's going to prepare me for multiple conversations uh, in the days, uh, indeed years ahead. I'm trying to connect marriage and children with sex. From the beginning, I'm trying to head off a lot of worldly notions of sex as merely uh, a way of having fun. Nothing more than that. Uh, That's not how the scripture presents to us human sexuality. It's connected to not only covenant marriage, but also children, procreation. But I'm also wanting to make it plain uh, that God has intended sex to be something that husbands and wives enjoy and that uh, is a delight to them in showing love for each other. By the way, I'm also emphasizing that sex is not something that everyone can do or has to do because not everyone can get married. Not everyone has to get married. It's not an ultimate thing in our lives anyway. I am uh, trying to uh, touch those bases, as it were, in first opening up uh, this subject. And I have some vivid memories of those conversations. Uh, It makes me a little emotional uh, thinking about it. Uh, Yes, some awkwardness, maybe a little bit of embarrassment, a little stumbling to find the right words. But folks, uh, it is such, it is such a privilege Uh, to be the one to put their first thoughts of any kind of maturity on this subject into a God-glorifying mold, if I can put it that way, and to speak of sex unlike the way the world would speak of it as one of God's most amazing inventions. Friends, you get to introduce your children to the solid gold of sex Uh, before they're exposed to all the fool's gold that our world presents of sex. I consider it a high and holy privilege indeed uh, as parents, and it has been a great joy to me uh, to have the opportunity uh, that being a dad um, brings in this area. So that's my first uh, of five things to talk about with your sons and daughters, the sheer goodness of sex as God's invention. Let's press on, maybe a little bit less uh, attention to the uh, remaining points, but uh, let's press on. Number two, talk with your kids, my brothers and sisters, my fellow parents, early and often about the importance of sexual boundaries. I think that's a term I got from that seminar that I attended, and I appreciated the uh, expression sexual Boundaries, And this is where I want to step back and say these are things you need to talk about well before uh, your son or daughter comes to the place of needing the talk. Um, So, for example, uh, young children uh, need to know certain things about what I'm calling sexual boundaries, even without having the slightest clue. Uh, what sex itself is. So, for example, they need to have, at a very young age, their natural sense of modesty 
uh, reinforced uh, early on. You don't get uh, uh, dressed, you don't get undressed around people of the opposite sex. Little girls keep their dresses pulled down. Little boys keep their pants pulled up. Basic stuff, folks. Intuitive to most parents. Uh, friends, your, your children from early on need to know that they have private places on their bodies. They're parts of their bodies which are, for not, are not for other people to see and certainly not ever for other people to touch. Um, they need to know they're never to try to see or to touch other children's private places. And folks, as you set these rules, uh, it's usually sufficient for young children simply to know that they are the rules. They don't have to understand at the outset all the reasons uh, behind it. But wise parents are impressing certain sexual boundaries on their young children well before uh, they're old enough uh, for the talk. Dads, let me especially uh, encourage you uh, to uh, establish this with your sons, moms with your daughters as well, of course. But I've already spoken about how uh, the emergence of interest in the opposite sex comes, well, sooner than you might have guessed that it would. Uh, and it will look like uh, little boys being curious about seeing, maybe even touching uh, little girls. And fellow dads, it's your job uh, to make crystal clear to them these basic rules. Uh, why they may have that interest, but they may not uh, do certain things uh, as a fulfillment of those interests. Um, they may not know why it's wrong to play a game of doctor with a little friend. They may not know why that's wrong, but friends, they need to know without any doubt at all why, or rather that um, it's wrong. Please, parents, fellow parents, don't jump to the conclusion when you see emerging in your little boy an interest in little girls' bodies, that's not a sign that he's a pervert. It means he's a normal little boy. <laughs> But he needs to be guided. He needs to have guardrails clearly in his mind well in advance of his ability to even figure out why he's interested in that. And the same would apply uh, for our daughters as well. Uh, a little girl who seems to be an exhibitionist in the bud uh, needs to have the rules made clear to her for her own sake well before uh, it's time for the talk. But how about after the talk, after the grand initiation has taken place, well, friends, then discussion of sexual boundaries becomes even more important, more urgent, and, be and become uh, more mature. So, um, puberty and all that it brings of unfolding sexual interest. Folks, uh, your preteen and teen a son and daughter need to know about sexual boundaries, and you need to talk to them about those boundaries. Uh, if you've been around teenagers for very much time at all, I think you've probably observed that they are a very touchy-feely lot. Uh, I say this, it's almost universal. Uh, I teach teenagers. I'm around uh, them with some regularity at the school, and uh, I've just observed 
uh, as I think I've had occasion to comment on before, uh, that the uh, hugs hello are followed by the hugs goodbye. Uh, The sitting or standing around uh, looks like all kinds of creative forms of physical affection and, oh, if there's ever to be any drama, all the consolations that are administered invariably seem to include some kind of human touch. And when I talk about this, friends, I'm not talking about something that's necessarily criminal. Uh, Sometimes it's actually just funny. Uh, But it's also, without any amusement in my voice, it's also, friends, very revealing. And it shows that our sons and daughters, especially uh, as they have entered into puberty and beyond, they are needing talks about physical, sexual boundaries. What is appropriate by way of physical affection with those of the opposite sex? You need to talk to your teenager about this. What kind of hug uh, is appropriate as an expression of brotherly or sisterly affection? And what kind of hug, perhaps the long, lingering, full frontal hug, that really has become something inappropriate? What are the kinds of cuddling that uh, teenagers seem to be at an event in various social settings, sitting, watching the movie or what have you, that is inappropriate. What uh, should a young man or young woman do uh, when someone wants to initiate that kind of physical uh, contact? What do you do when a girl asks for a back rub or a neck massage or, for that matter, when a guy offers it? What do you do? You recognize these are boundaries, Uh, that are being crossed. Um, Dads, it might be helpful for you to make clear to your daughter that it is not helpful for uh, a friend for her to casually place her hand on his knee. Or moms, you may need to make clear to your sons that uh, brushing a woman's hair back with your hand can actually uh, do more than you intend um, and crosses a kind of boundary. I'm giving examples, none of which are uh, above any kind of dispute, I realize. They're prudential. But I'm giving examples of the kinds of boundaries that mothers and fathers need to be uh, making clear to their sons and daughters in this area of their sexuality. Um, Make your children wise to the fact, parents, uh, that they are drawn to physical contact with the opposite sex. And that kind of drawnness is what can easily lead them to cross lines of physical uh, sexual propriety. Usually it happens in the context of flirting. Talk to your kids about what flirting is. It's a kind of immodesty in their behavior. It's a kind of acting out like we have more of an intimate relationship than we should have or that we actually do have. And talk to them about how inappropriate Physical contact usually takes place in the context of that kind of uh, flirting that's so ubiquitous. Use yourself as an example in this respect. Ask your kids to imagine what kind of physical contact would you expect mom or dad to appropriately be able to have with other men or women in the church. There's all kinds of appropriate physical affections that are that are right in the covenant community. And then ask them to think about What are the kinds of physical affection that you would consider to be absolutely inappropriate if you saw your mom or dad uh, displaying them to someone not one another? And 
point out that that's a good guide. That's a helpful prudential guide. Folks, this needs to be the kind of talk you have in the wake of the talk. Uh, Don't let your teenagers just shrug these things off as fussy concerns. They're not just arbitrary rules. They are wise ways uh, to honor uh, God's rule about sex, which is that sex is for marriage. Sex is a very broad thing. It has a very narrow focus, to be sure, but it's a very broad thing. And many things come under that uh, pale of uh, sex uh, that our culture encourages uh, among young men and women in an indiscriminate way. All right, so that's the importance of physical and sexual boundaries. You need to talk about those things uh, with your sons and daughters. Uh, Number three, talk with your kids about their own sexual development uh, and the challenges, and in some cases, the insecurities uh, that it will bring. I'm, of course, talking here about the physical changes of puberty, um, what changes they should expect in their bodies as they move from being a child to being an adult. And those changes are changes in their bodies that are preparing them for sex. They're preparing them for sexual activity. And they're going to change not just their bodies. Uh, they're going to change those um, developments in, their, in them will change the way they think uh, and feel towards the opposite sex. And I think this is a realm where there's so much potential for girl talk uh, by mom and daughter and guy talk uh, by dads and sons Uh, As a rule, where there are two parents in the home, Uh, moms need to talk uh, with their daughters so that they will not be unsettled or alarmed when uh, their cycle begins. And dads need to talk to their sons in advance about what a wet dream is, why it's happening, uh, so they're not unnecessarily confused and maybe even um, have misplaced guilt over Uh, Girl talk and guy talk, these are just examples. And friends, I think these are the kinds of conversations that can create some of the uh, deepest bonds between a dad and a son, a mother and a daughter, talking about these important things. This might be the place uh, to mention uh, in talking through issues uh, to discuss with your children that what our culture has, maybe in, maybe in an overblown way, but in a basic way, in a perceptive way, begun to identify as body image uh, is something that should guide us as well uh, in our conversation. Uh, I have this in mind. Uh, as young men uh, come to see each other developing physically and acquiring height and muscle and all the rest, it can be a time of some insecurity if that development is coming later uh, than might be wished. Same with our daughters, um, becoming more fully endowed as uh, young women, and in some cases not coming to be as fully uh, developed as some of their peers, moms, dads, Uh, Guide your kids through that. 
guide them in the way they think about themselves through that, Uh, be affirming of their efforts, sometimes for the first time, to um, adorn themselves or to present themselves uh, in more appealing ways, uh, in all that, steer them, be watchful and and shepherd their hearts away from a kind of narcissism that is the plague of the teenage years. Uh, and in it all, uh, friends, counsel your kids to be grateful and content with who God is making them to be physically. Um, show that you love them for just who they are and who they're becoming in God's good providence. And it would be helpful, I submit, in those kinds of conversations, uh, mom and dad, for you to talk about how biblical love and biblical sex is about so much more than just bodies and body parts. That sexual attraction as God intended it to be, is far deeper and far more profound uh, than just an attraction to certain aspects of the opposite sex and the bodies thereof. It's certainly the case that uh, young men and young women need to be taught to keep their bodies, to tend to their bodies. Slobs are not sexy. But make it clear that falling in love and getting married, enjoying sexual intimacy, it doesn't require perfect bodies. Indeed, it doesn't. And as you uh, communicate in this sort of um, wholesome, biblical, no-nonsense way, an encouraging way, you'll be guiding your sons and daughters through some uh, fairly choppy waters, um, their own development physically, Uh, into uh, more mature sexual beings. You have a rich season of opportunity for many a wise word with your teenagers uh, during that transition. So number three was talk to them about their own sexual development uh, and the challenges and potential insecurities of it. Number four of my list of things to talk about with your kids in this area of sex, talk with your kids about what sexual purity in romantic relationships entails. I'm just going to touch on this here because I do intend to come back to this, uh, hopefully, as I talk about dating or courtship, whichever word you prefer. Um, If you have a teenager now, presumably a much more mature teenager who you have led uh, and is in a romantic relationship, folks, this needs to be a regular topic of conversation between you and your son, between you and your daughter. You need to have had the talk about what are the boundaries for this particular physical, uh, pardon me, the, the physical affection boundaries for this particular relationship. And uh, you need to have thought yourself about what are wise uh, guidelines, wise uh, guardrails for the physical affection of that relationship. What do you think about your son and your daughter? Sorry, um, your son and his girlfriend or your daughter and her boyfriend kissing. Uh, What do you think about that? Uh, I happen to be convinced that the romantic kiss uh, is like the Rubicon 
and the crossing thereof. Uh, I think there's a whole world of physical affection that lies on the other side of that, and the pull to go in the direction of the kiss uh, is a pull towards that whole world, and I think, parents, we need to be very thoughtful and articulate with our kids about that. There's lines to discuss in this area, and you have absolutely no good reason uh, to be vague in your discussions. Uh, if they're in that parent-approved romantic relationship, um, come back to this again and again. Um, little dab will do is not the rule of right thinking here in terms of physical uh, boundaries. Physical boundaries, as you may well know from your own experience, parents, uh, get kind of wobbly and uh, accountability is needed. Son, where do things stand between you and Sally in your physical relationship? What do I need to know? What can you tell me? <laughs> and um, parents, I really would plead with you. Make it clear to your children in the context of those romantic relationships that they're pursuing that fornication is a real, clear and present danger. I think that our kids who are on the uh, other side from us of sexual initiation hear that, and it's very theoretical. Come on, Dad. Mom, you know I would never do that. I would never do that. And parents, you are on the other side of the sexually initiated uh, line, if you will, and you know better, don't you? You know how powerful sexual desire can be in certain circumstances. You know how it can all but take over, and taking over might not be too strong a word. That's how good Christian kids get pregnant or get someone pregnant. And you need to have a frank conversation about that with your kids, despite their solid convictions and despite their every intention. They will go all the way if they allow themselves to get into that setting where they are gratifying sexual desire and sexual desire has come into its own in their hearts and their bodies. Um, make sure they know that they're a fool to think that these desires could ever overcome them. They need to have a healthy fear uh, of this in their own uh, lives so that they don't put themselves in a place of temptation. And th none of this that I'm saying contradicts what I've said earlier. Uh, you lead off in the, all of your conversations about sex, talking about it in biblical terms uh, as something God has invented very, very good. But that can be actually the very uh, reason for emphasizing what you're describing here, the danger of fornication. I've spoken with my own sons, spoken with the young people in the church, of the biblical principle of fast before feast. Uh, God is not after our unhappiness when he forbids the pursuit of sexual fulfillment this side of marriage. He's not after our unhappiness, although he is willing for us <laughs> to deny ourselves. And he insists, in fact, that we do so. But he's actually after our joy. 
He's actually seeking to protect our enjoyment of what he's invented. I've asked kids to imagine what a sad Christmas morning it would be to sit there and open a gift that you'd already opened and then patch back together again because you weren't willing to wait for Christmas morning. Being a virgin on your wedding day It's not just some kind of heroic stand, some kind of massive feat of self-denial, although it is a feat by God's grace. But son, daughter, uh, it also is an honorable desire to have everything that God intended for you to have on your wedding night. So my fellow parents talk about sexual purity, talk about why uh, it is so important not just to avoid certain calamitous events uh, like getting pregnant outside of wedlock. Sexual purity is important to having everything that God intends uh, for husbands and wives to enjoy in marriage. Well, if you're still with me, I have a fifth area of discussion to encourage you to have uh, with your children, but it is by no means Uh, my favorite. I wish I could skip it. I wish I only had four today, but I have five. And here's the fifth, my friends. Talk with your kids about the reality of sexual perversion and what the Bible says about it. Oh, I so wish, not just in this podcast, but in my parenting, I so wish that I could only talk about the solid gold of God's design for sex between a husband and wife who love each other. I wish I could only talk about that. That's what I love talking about. But what I hate talking about, but have had to talk about, is all of what I've called the fool's gold of this world. What is uh, everywhere uh, confronting us and which will inevitably confront your sons and daughters. I'm talking about sex in all of its sinful uh, manifestations. Parents, I get it, totally, absolutely get it. Why would I speak of something so utterly unpleasant uh, as sexual perversion with my kids? Well, look at it this way. You can introduce uh, this whole world of sexual deviancy to your kids from a solidly biblical perspective, or they can be introduced to this whole world of sexual deviancy by those who actually relish it and will eventually have their influence on your kids. I just remind you, the Bible introduces us to sexual perversion. The Bible does. Uh, You can't read very long, (laughs) even in the first book of the Bible, before you are encountering it. And it does so in order to cast it in a certain light. And so that's your opportunity, parents, uh, to warn your kids against certain kinds of sexual perversion and deviance in a way that's biblical. And it's important for your sons and daughters to know they are actually also free to talk to you about these things as well. It's important. I submit to you, for your daughter to be able to say, Mom, I, I heard something that 
sounded really gross, and uh, can I ask you about it? You ought to have that kind of relationship with your daughter, moms, with your son, dads, that makes them free to come to you. So what kind of unpleasant things do be part of your talks uh, with your kids about sex? Well, number one, the reality of sexual crime. Uh, at some point after the talk, parents, we need to alert our kids, at least alert them to this. Um, not only do married people use sex as God designed it to love each other, but son, sinful people use sex in a way God never intended it to hurt each other. So sooner or later, brothers and sisters, your your sons and your daughters need to know what this word rape means, what it means. Uh, what is a prostitute? How does she make her living? They need to know about pornography, <clears throat> which is a kind of uh, sex trade like prostitution is in its full modern form. Uh, and they need to know about these things just enough, not everything, of course, but they need to know uh, the categories of these things. And they need to have these things presented to them in a way that um, provokes loathing in them and real uh, moral revulsion. Um, it's probably helpful for your <clears throat> kids to know <clears throat> that behind <clears throat> some of those bad words that even our culture recognizes are really bad words are the concepts of sexual violence. They're violations not of the third commandment, but of the sixth commandment and the seventh commandment. They speak of uh, dreadful things that, that people uh, do to other people. Uh, and of course, especially that wicked men do to others. So you need to talk about reality of sexual crime. You need to talk about the reality, secondly, of sexual perversion. Parents, again, the scriptures will make this necessary. You will get the question, what did the men of Sodom mean, Dad, when they said, bring them out that we may lie with them? What does the Bible mean, Mom, when it speaks about bestiality as an abomination? Hopefully your kids are reading the Bible for themselves. Hopefully they're reading all the Bible for themselves and you need to be, again, prepared to give them the categories they need to make sense of sexual perversion. Certainly, our society is making it absolutely necessary for the sin of homosexuality to be explained to our sons and daughters. I actually don't remember that ever being discussed with any clarity on the part of my dad with me. And back in the 70s, I'm not sure that it... Uh, seemed obvious to him that it needed to be, but we don't have that option anymore, right, parents, uh, to pass over that subject. As unpleasant as this is, uh, just ask yourself, who would you rather have explain these parts of our fallen world uh, to your son or to your daughter? Part of my motivation, I have to admit, I think this is appropriate to a degree at least, Part of my motivation talking about these things with my sons in particular was to spare them those painful social moments 
when they're the only person in the room who doesn't know about something really basic about our sinful world. Uh, They may not know it because, well, they were sheltered in a very wholesome way from all the societal sewage (laughs) they would otherwise have gotten as a typical American youth, but I don't want them to be um, unaware, oblivious, just because I, as a parent, was not thoughtful or maybe was squeamish about talking about certain things that they really do uh, need to know about. There are those things they need to know. Parents, again, you're the best one to talk to them about it. It's part of you're equipping them with a proper kind of worldly wisdom so they can be salt and light in our world. One other thing I'll say uh, under this heading of uh, the reality of sexual perversion Uh, It is a sexual perversion of our culture uh, to idolize sex. And uh, we should be clear with our sons and daughters that that is the way our culture thinks. I let off by encouraging uh, you to emphasize the sheer goodness of sex as God's invention. But folks, there's also a place uh, for us as parents to put sex in its place. Uh, to make sure that our kids recognize, um, for example, that you don't need to be someone who's sexually active to be a whole human being. <laughs> that's, that's something that our culture has come to deny. Whatever desires you have in this area of your sexuality, it would be repressive of your society to suggest in any way that you should not fulfill them because otherwise you're not being true to who you are. This is the bunk of our society. But you, of course, as a Christian parent, are raising young men and women who are called to chastity, at least for a season. And we need to stand opposed to our culture in our communication with our kids in this area. So this whole notion that personal sexual expression is basic to who we are, um, that's bunk. That you are what you want sexually, um, that's bunk. That the only guide that you should consult in your expressing of yourself sexually is what makes you and your sex partner happy, that's absolute godless bunk. Our society, ironically, actually, our society has too high a view and too low a view of sex. On the one hand, they have lost a high and holy biblical view of sex as the sign and seal of marital love. They've cheapened sex. Um, They've uh, made it into just another way of the pursuit of personal happiness. So they have too uh, low a view But they also, in another sense, have too high a view. They've made sexual expression absolutely indispensable to all personal happiness and fulfillment. And that's an idolatrous view of sex. Sex, in uh, the eyes of the one who invented it, was never meant to be uh, everything. And our sons and daughters need to be mindful uh, of that. So, folks, that's my... Um, exhortations and encouragements to my fellow parents in this whole area of having the talks, plural, uh, with your son, with your daughter, about things pertaining to sexuality, their sexuality. Um, Consider uh, having these kinds of conversations 
certainly by the time they're entering into the second decade earlier, if their questions have begun to take shape uh, earlier than that. Uh, Wade into these waters with your kids, have many a pre-talk talk, and certainly have many a post-talk talk, and uh, the Lord will bless this aspect of your parenting. I'm done with what I wanted to say in terms of parents uh, sharing on the subject with their sons and daughters. I want to conclude, however, uh, for any who might want to linger a moment longer, uh, addressing something that's a little sensitive, uh, but I think needs to be acknowledged. Uh, Folks, I think there is a deeper reason uh, that many parents have a hard time talking with their children about this subject, and I want to acknowledge that. Um, Early in my ministry, I think I assumed it was entirely because, well, it's just kind of awkward. It's inherently challenging. It's not easy to know what's right to say, what is oversharing, what's undersharing it, all kinds of um, insecurity that parents have. And I, I thought, early in my ministry, that's all that is going on here when parents fail to talk adequately with their kids about sex. I do hope this podcast is helpful uh, if those are your primary uh, barriers or uh, impediments. But I have realized uh, since that there are some deeper reasons uh, why parents could find it difficult to bring themselves uh, to talk about sex. It may well be uh, that in many cases there's pain uh, and frustration in their lives uh, in this very area. It's possible that in their own marriages, uh, they're not enjoying God's gift of sexual intimacy in the way that he intended or that they desired. And so that may stand in the way of their seeking to open up a whole world uh, to their sons and daughters uh, of this thing called sex uh, that they have felt uh, so much frustration about. So, in such cases, they may just warn them against getting into trouble, but not go in the direction that I have been seeking to encourage us to go. And friends, I, I want to acknowledge that. I, alas, um, can't address all of that uh, in a series on parenting, uh, but I'm aware that this is possible in many otherwise solid Christian marriages. Let me just close with a couple of reminders uh, for those to whom this might apply. Hopefully, they'll be encouraging. Number one, friends, as parents, you are in this area, like every other area, drawing primarily from the Scripture as you disciple your kids. Yes, you're informed by your experience. Your counsel is enriched by your experience. But what your kids need is God's plan, His vision revealed in the Scriptures for them in their sexuality and their future. And so, uh, just like it's the case that even with sexual uh, failures of the past in uh, proprieties in our years leading up to marriage, that need not be to us a barrier in holding out to our kids what God uh, calls them to be. Uh, The same is true when we're trying to portray to our kids God's invention of sexual intimacy and all of the delight that he intends her to bring. Um, 
our own experience that falls short of that, well, it need not be a barrier to us giving our children uh, the Word of God. And I'll just add this, a second point, uh, that this whole area of responsibility, uh, of talking to your kids about sex, could well be, like other things in our lives as parents, a very, uh, what shall I call it, a wholesome incentive for us as husbands and wives to talk honestly with our spouses about sex, about our own pursuit of sexual intimacy. So if seeking a healthy sex life with your spouse is part of godliness, if it's part of loving your husband and wife, and it is, and if you're called to disciple your children in this area of personal godliness in anticipation of their own marriages, and you are, then friends, let that be a wholesome incentive uh, to keep working on this area of your marriage. Perhaps this podcast will uh, come to you at a time when you're not yet needing to talk about this subject with your kids, but you might be needing uh, to talk about this subject with uh, your husband or your wife and to pursue greater uh, intimacy with one another in this uh, wonderfully invented means uh, of conveying love in marriage. I'm going to close here. I'll just point out that in the show notes of this uh, podcast, I'm going to put a link to what was at the time an adult Sunday school class uh, that I did many years ago on the subject of sexual intimacy in marriage. This isn't a marriage series. It's a parenting series, but perhaps this will be helpful uh, as background in your own communication uh, with your children and maybe even uh, for your own marriages. You could call it a little biblical theology uh, of sex in marriage. May the Lord bless uh, what I've attempted to do in this delicate subject in this podcast and what I'm uh, pointing to uh, here as I conclude of other resources. Friends, it's a privilege indeed uh, to speak of these things with our kids, and I'm humbled to be uh, speaking about them with you uh, if you've listened thus far uh, in this podcast. Lord, keep you in His grace, brothers and sisters, and take heart. Uh, Christ is risen. been listening to another episode of Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. This is a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sharing it with someone you know. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.